thank you, John, and thank you, Chloe, for your music this morning. Uh, it really did lift my soul, and I know it lifted all of our souls together. Our scripture reading today comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, and today I'll be reading from the, the NIV, so it'll be a little bit different from your pew Bible, but I really liked the way it was translated. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. May the Lord bless the reading of this living word, and may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So during the 2016 games, Bill Murray tweeted, Every event should have an average person competing for reference. Just imagine being in the lane beside Caleb Dressel. Now that's funny. Or we all have that overconfident friend who says, well, I could do that. Just imagine that person on the balance beam after Simone Biles. Now that's even funnier. What these world-class athletes make look easy is nearly impossible for most of us. Even if we had the money to hire the best nutritionists and coaches and trainers and we did everything that they told us to do and we had years to train, most of us would never qualify for the Olympics, much less win the gold. Olympians had these unique God-given talents that allowed them to perform athletically in ways that most of us could never dream of. But also, without a total commitment to their sports, without an insane work ethic, it wouldn't matter whether they had these God-given abilities or not. If Katie Ledecky didn't bother to go to practice all those years ago, we would never know her name and she would have never made it to London or Rio or Tokyo. The same is true for all of us average Christians. To be faithful, we have to be totally committed to God and each other, and we have to be willing to put in the work, the hard, unglamorous work. But the good news is that if we do this, God can and will give all of us the ability to do what is nearly impossible. We can become humble. We can become gentle. We can become patient. We can become loving. And together, we can find unity and peace. For what is impossible for human beings is possible with God. Paul writes, Be completely humble and gentle. 
Be patient, bearing with each other in love. You're going to remember those gummy bears, aren't you? We aren't going to be humble or gentle or loving right out of the gate. These are lofty goals. These are virtues that take a long time to develop. But we can all take that first step of trying just to bear with each other. Some of you are about to have your first college roommate with just that bookcase and that desk between your half of the room and their half of the room. Unfortunately, the sounds and the smells and the dirty laundry will not follow that invisible line, but you can try. Some of you are about to sit for the first time in a desk in a kindergarten class. Or the, for the first time, you'll walk the halls of the middle school or the high school. Some of you are about to go out for your first sports team and you'll have to ride the activity bus and sit on the bench. And for any of these things to work, you're going to have to bear with a lot. Being in any relationship, in any family, in any community requires this. To me, bearing with someone means giving them the space to be. The space to be themselves in all of their goodness and their messiness and their imperfection. It means giving other people the kind of space that you would like them to give you back. It means raising your hand when you want to speak. We have to do that as children in the classroom, but I think adults should learn how to do a little bit of that. It means really listening to what others have to say, when it's, what they're import, what's important to them, what they're excited about, even if you aren't interested, and even and especially when you really disagree with what they're saying. It means letting someone else be the line leader or taking turns getting playing time or going down the slide. It means waiting for the bathroom or finding another place to study when your roommate has friends over. It means not always getting your way and being okay with that, not throwing a tantrum when someone else gets to play with the toy or someone else gets to choose where you go out to dinner. Bearing with each other means allowing others' needs to be met first and your needs to be met second. Bearing with each other make, means biting our tongues sometimes because let's be honest, most of the time we don't need to say what we're thinking exactly when we think it. Not everything we don't like needs to be criticized. Most of the time, we shouldn't send the email, at least not the first draft. Most of the time, that comment is not necessary. Yes, there are times when we need to speak up for ourselves and let our opinion be heard and say important things and to help somebody make a better choice. But we have to be honest, there are a lot of things we can just ignore or let go of. Bearing with one another means not sweating the small stuff. With Judah, we say, no biggie, no biggie. It means choosing only the really important battles. It means taking a deep breath and counting to 10. It means walking away. It means unfollowing that person on social media for a little while so you don't have to see their post all the time. Bearing with someone can mean removing yourself from the situation so you can return to that other person 
with a little compassion, or at least less anger. Bearing with one another means staying together, not being so easily offended when there is disagreement, not walking away when things get hard, being willing to listen to criticism and being willing to be open to the fact that you might be wrong or that you might have something to learn. It's true that if we bottle these things up and let our frustration grow into anger, then that might become a grudge and we might explode and really hurt other people. It's true that relationships that have been able to grow and form in this shallow, illusory piece of our silence can be destroyed in one angry outburst. And that scares us. That might make us think that we should always just speak our mind or that we should just give up on a relationship if we think there'll be a chance of conflict. And these two options are exactly where our culture is right now. We either fight or we walk away. But I think that's exactly where our culture is wrong. Because many of our judgments are either trivial or incorrect. And our impatience ends relationships before they even start. And that is so tragic because contrary to popular belief, we actually need each other. Paul is trying to show us a different way. Paul is trying to remind us of the way that we've been living for almost 80 years in this church. Bearing with other, each other is not pushing down our feelings or holding a grudge, but pairing those deep breaths with prayers for God's help to be patient. Pairing our small acts of restraint with prayers for gentleness. Pairing our attempts to let things go with prayers for humility. Because when we do this, God can change us. God can open up our hearts so that we can imagine that there is more to this person. More to this conversation. More to this relationship. Humility is so key. As Pastor Jennifer said, it allows us to assume that we don't know the whole truth. That we don't know the whole story. That we can't see the whole picture. It can open us up to the possibility that this other person, as different as they are from us, might have something very important to teach us. And even if we are super confident that we are right, it can allow us to begin to see more to this person than their wrong opinion. When someone is being rude or inconsiderate or just plain mean, humility allows us to give them the benefit of the doubt. To consider the possibility that they're acting this way because they didn't sleep well last night or because their parents are fighting a lot right now or that they didn't get that job that they really wanted or that the cancer is back, or that they are just as stressed out about midterms as we are. Of course, there are limits to this, and the church has unfortunately has a long history of, of shaming people to stay in harmful relationships. And so it's important to say, if, if you're being abused verbally or physically, if you're being taken advantage of, you shouldn't just stay quiet and bear with it. You shouldn't just not do anything at all. But at the same time, we have to realize that 
just because a person is challenging, that just because a relationship asks a lot of you, it doesn't mean that it's toxic. Struggle is part of every human relationship. You can't be loved or love without some semblance of sacrifice. We will never find unity and peace without some sort of collective sacrifice. Bearing with one another creates space for God to slow us down. So we don't let our snap judgments take over. So that we can learn to treat each other like God treats us. Bearing with one another creates space for God to help us see beyond our narrow perspectives so that we can see each other the way that God sees us. And if we could truly do this, then I think unity and peace would actually be within reach. But that's not the end goal of what Paul is saying, and it shouldn't be our end goal either. The good news is this. Our bearing with one another helps us to see beyond seemingly insurmountable differences and annoying habits to see what and whom we share in common with each other. It helps us to see that we've all been made in the image of God, not just to know that intellectually, but to see that image in that other person. It allows us to see that we are all flesh and blood disguises for the Christ that dwells in each of us, what Paul calls Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, when we bear long enough with all those things about other people that make us want to fight them or walk away, we might find the presence of God in them. And that, that might invite us to treat them with compassion because then we realize that whatever we do or do not do to someone, we are doing it or not doing it to Christ. We might realize that it's not just the other person begging you with their life, bear with me, but that it is Christ through that other person saying to us, bear with me. But that's not even the whole picture. Each person in whom Christ dwells shows us in their own unique and irreplaceable way a little more of who Christ is than we could see all by ourselves without them. And that might give us a little bit of reverence and curiosity towards each other. And when you multiply this out from one-on-one -on -one relationships here and there, you get the opportunity to see and experience more of the whole of who Christ is in community than you ever could by yourself. And that is the whole point of church. The Olympic Games were created to establish, to create opportunities for competition. And if you're like me, you have been looking at that medal count every single day to see who is on top. But that wasn't and isn't the end goal of the Olympic Games. The competitions are meant to be vehicles through which peace and unity can grow between nations through athletics. 
We saw this when Kanoa Igarashi of Japan lost to Brazilian Italio Ferreira. That's hard. In the surfing final. And instead of sulking, he used his knowledge of Portuguese to help Ferreira when he was struggling in his interview. Irigashi could bear with someone else winning and could even help him celebrate in a language he could understand. We saw this as Isaiah Jewett of the United States and Nigel Amos of Botswana collided during the 800-meter track semifinals, and they helped each other up and walked to the finish line arm in arm. I don't know whose fault it was that they got tangled up. They could probably easily point the finger at the other, but Isaiah and Nigel could bear with each other's missteps even when it cost them their dreams. And I think we saw this most powerfully when Cutters, Mutar, Barsham, and Italy's Gianmarco Tomberi each failed three times to break an Olympic world record in the high jump. And as they huddled with the officials who told them that they could do a jump off to decide who wins the gold medal, Barsham asked, well, can we have two golds? And the official nodded. And then Tomberi slapped Barsham's hand and jumped into his arms. Sharing with a friend is even more beautiful, Tambari said. It was just magical. Barsham and Tambari could bear taking up less space on the podium and could bear with sharing a gold medal with each other. These Olympians show us that above and beyond all of our teams and nations, there is one love of sports, one global family, one humanity which unites us all. We tend to look at our lives and even our spiritual lives as an individual competition with winners and losers. But the life of the Christian is not ultimately about individual faithfulness. That is not the end goal. Christianity is a team sport. We need each other. We are meant to follow Jesus together. But even the relationships themselves are not the end goal. But they are the best vehicle we have for finding ourselves more fully in the presence of Christ who loves us through other people. It's about Christ Himself who was God but didn't consider equality with God something to be exploited, who emptied Himself, taking on human form, bearing with us, and bearing with all of our falling and failing. It's about Christ who seemed to lose on Friday but walked victorious from the tomb on Sunday. And when we realize that, when we are willing to bear our own crosses, when we are willing to bear with each other, we can be caught up in a love that is greater than our individual hopes and dreams, which is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Thanks be to God.